We explored a bit last week the components of formal meditation and I like to, oh, you know, once every six months, five months, really go over the basics for all of us to drop back into them. Just to say that Suzuki Roshi, who a famous Zen teacher, wonderful teacher, was asked the question once, what does a Zen practitioner do with his spare time? And at first he looked perplexed and then he started laughing uproariously like he couldn't stop laughing. And then he finally sputtered out the phrase, spare time, (laughs) you know, like as if we're taking time off from presence, from being here, you know. And, And I, so I wanted to say that I use the word formal practice, but really the intention in all practice is to have each life be real life. We have a way of moving through our day as if we're on our way somewhere or we have big swaths of our time that we think of as filler time, like its its purpose is for something else, which means that big swaths of our life are not real life. We're not like really here valuing this matters as much as anything, which means we miss out. So we'll be exploring tonight as, you know, kind of continuation, what are the components that really, of paying attention, that really bring us here, and bring us here in our formal sitting and also as we move through the day. Last week we covered some of the ways of bringing ourselves back when we've really been off in the trance and paying attention mindfully, and we're going to widen it to include what are the ways that our heart can soften? Because the the bottom line is we can't really be with what's here in the moment if our hearts don't have a quality of receptivity. That's the bottom line. So we'll cover a number of those pieces. Last week I used a phrase from one of my favorite Rumi poems, and and it's right towards the end, and he asks a question. And the question is, do you make regular visits to yourself? Do you make regular visits to yourself? And I think it's an exquisite question because in a way the whole reason that we train ourselves to pay attention is so that we can come back home, so that we can really be intimate with this life that's right here and be intimate with our world. And what that requires is making regular visits, being back here. So the beginning of a powerful meditation practice always is with this aspiration. It's a kind of sincerity. Because if we're practicing because we're trying to, um, in some way, fine-tune ourselves or polish ourselves or be on one of our self-improvement projects, but it's kind of narrow, if it's not really sincere, if we're practicing because we think we should, that's carried into the experience in a way that doesn't allow us to really come home. So I love to begin our our evenings together listening in and getting that kind of sincerity, okay, so what really matters? And if you ask that question 30 times a day, 40 times a day, it would only have your life come more and more in alignment that the compass of the heart would guide you more and more. So we start the formal practice and our day and our life with that sincerity. So what really matters to you? The first step of training that I described last week is the simplicity of relaxing. And if right now you just say to yourself, oh, okay, permission to relax a little more than I was a minute ago. Just try that. Just give yourself permission in your body. It's not like somebody wagging a finger and saying, just relax, you know, because that's like, you know, it's offensive. But it's like, permission, okay. Okay, so it's okay. It's like almost like you're saying, it's okay. You can kind of turn down some of that fight flight. Just relax. So the beginning of practice is this kind of conscious permission where we just say, okay, kind of settle, relax. 
I love that practice of the half smile because it's such a powerful way and, and it doesn't work for everybody, it doesn't work for you just put it aside, it's just another technique but if it does, it's a very quick communication signal with your own heart to relax, just to be at ease So we start with that and then we have this intention that I sometimes call remindfulness. We know that as we try to be here what's going to happen is we're going to leave and go off into trance. We're going to... How many of you noticed tonight how much the mind was either going forward in time or remembering? Just by hands, how many... Yeah, so the the mind just pulls us around. And the deal is that the mind is basically, for most of the time, most of the activity is fueled by some sort of fear or wanting. Um, We think we're rational, but we use 100% of our reptilian brain, a lot of our limbic and only 20% of the neocortex. And usually the neocortex is to rationalize what the limbic and reptilian are getting us to do. Do you know that, right? Okay. So the deal is that we have all these thoughts going on and they're driven by these basic mode of the reptilian brain is worry. It's designed to worry. It's survival. So we've got a lot of stuff kind of cooking around that's coming from the reptilian brain and it keeps pulling us off and that's okay. That's not a problem. That's just nature doing itself, right? And we have this capacity to pause and notice, oh, there's kind of this dream going on. And then there's a choice in that moment. And this is really, this is the magic of practice. There's a choice that we don't have to stay in that dream. We can relax back here. So in re-mindfulness, there is this commitment to noticing when we've been dreaming or in that trance that's driven by these fears and wants and to go, oh, pause, arrive again. Okay, so this is, the, this is the hub of training that we notice when we've left home, okay? And the way that is most powerful for arriving again is to be aware of our bodies and the senses. So this is the other piece of training. And you can right now sense this. Sense what happens when not only do you say, oh, relax a little, but you just close your eyes so you can feel it from the inside but you say, oh, and feel the body from the inside and listen so your senses are awake and this is home this is our gateway home these senses can you sense the immediacy of presence, when you're feeling sensations, when you're feeling and listening. And notice the difference between this and any thought that you're inside of. Re-mindfulness is the practice of noticing the trance and not fighting the thoughts, but rather in the moment of noticing, having that possibility of coming back to this immediacy, the aliveness that's here. Now, just to say that this isn't any sort of a diatribe against thoughts. We, thoughts are a fabulous part of our humanness and we need them to survive and they're, they can remind us of what our intention is and it's just part of, it's part of the mix of waking up. But when we're lost in them, when we're believing them, when there's no larger presence that even gets to decide whether to be in them, they contract our reality. One of my uh, favorite stories that I, some, those of you that have been around have heard, but I'll share it because it's so much fun, really describes a sense of it. And, and I talk about email a lot because I'm so aware myself when I start to go online, the million different portals into trance, all the different worlds that you go into and all the different emotions it cooks up. And you can see how with each different story of each different email, how it brings a whole different biochemistry, your world changes. 
And if you really get lost in them, your life is, is taken over. So in this story, a couple from Michigan decides to go to Florida to thaw out during a particularly icy winter. And they plan to stay at the very same hotel where they spent their honeymoon 20 years earlier. But because of their schedules, crazy schedules, they couldn't coordinate their reservations. So the husband left Michigan and flew to Florida on Thursday and the wife flew down the following day. The husband checked into the hotel. There was a computer in his room, so he decided to send an email to his wife. However, he accidentally left out one letter in her email address, and without realizing the error, he sent it out. Meanwhile, somewhere in Houston, a woman had just returned home from her husband's funeral. He was a minister for many years and had been called home to glory following a sudden heart attack. The widow decided to check her email, expecting messages from relatives and friends. After reading the first message, she fainted. The widow's son rushed into the room, found his mother on the floor, and saw the computer screen, which read, To my loving wife. Subject, I've arrived. Date, 20th of February, 2008. I suppose you're surprised to hear from me. (laughs) They have computers here now, and you're allowed to send emails to your loved ones. I've just arrived and been checked in. I see that everything's been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. (laughs) I'm looking forward to seeing you then. Hope your journey is as uneventful as mine was. P.S. Sure is hot down here. (laughs) So whether you are familiar with this little story or not, you know what it's like when in some way your mind is really believing and hooked in the drama. You know what it's like. One of my friends, who some of you have met Wes Nisker, fellow teacher, describes his relationship with his mind this way. He says, we're still friends and we still live together, (laughs) but I'm no longer codependent. (laughs) So... The practice begins, really, and comes back again and again to realizing how much our life gets lost in conceptualizing, in thinking. As one person said to describe, he says, describe this world, he was asked to describe, and his response was, lost in thought. If we watch our day, there's not that many moments that we've said, okay, enough, now here, right here. So we begin with remindfulness, and often the mind's really scattered and busy, so we might even use the tool of concentrating on the breath, just to kind of stabilize and quiet some. But the idea is not to be with the breath, The breath is a tool, it can be in the foreground, and the idea is not to abolish thoughts. It's more to begin to know more and more when thoughts are happening, so you're not lost. To have more and more moments where you sense the gap between thoughts. There's a mystery there, a real mystery. Now, Often when I teach and I'll give the beginning instructions which really are come and relax and feel your body and let your senses be awake and then when the mind drifts, come back, come back, you know. And I get the question, you know, isn't it kind of boring? (laughs) You know, isn't it boring to keep coming back and feeling either the breath or just, all right, so sound, so sensations, you know, it's most common misunderstanding is, you know, that you're supposed to stay with the breath. If there's anyone teaching I've heard misconstrued, it's like, oh, I thought I was supposed to try to stay with the breath, or I thought I was trying to get rid of my thoughts. Well, that's a recipe for failure. I've had many people that will, I'll see here after I haven't seen them for about three years, and they'll say, well, it's just, I was just discouraged, it was just too hard. It's like I felt like I never could get it. Why? Well, my mind would never quiet. Well, our minds don't usually quiet so much. It's more, they quiet some, and more, there's more and more of an inhabiting an awareness that knows that thoughts are happening, so there's more of a sense of, okay, this here is very real. 
this homecoming, this coming to hearness doesn't happen because we get really tight and we try to control our mind. And I think that's what I'm trying to communicate. This isn't a path of controlling. I've always liked um, this thing from Garrison Keillor. He says, my ancestors were Puritans from England. They arrived here in 1648 in the hope of finding greater restrictions than were permissible under English law at that time. So we do these practices of arriving so that we can really discover this mystery, this aliveness that's right here. It's sometimes likened to preparing a garden that if, if we can kind of loosen the soil and water it and let the sunlight come, it's just a natural blossoming of presence. So we get to the next phase of practice which is really how to inhabit presence. How do we really be here and notice what's happening? And it's described like a camera that if, if we are focusing and we're trying to still things enough so we can see what's there, but mindfulness, our presence, is taking the picture. It's like, really, what is going on here? Really, what's happening? And the qualities of presence are two. That we notice it. Like right this moment, again, I'm going to invite you just to close your eyes. And if the inquiry right this moment is, what does it really mean to be present, to be mindful? What helps us arrive is to feel our bodies, to relax, re-mindfulness. But what is really presence? What is it? What are the qualities that make up presence? In this moment, what does it mean to be present? What has to be in place for presence to be here? Keep kind of tuning in and maybe just hear from a few of you. Just name whatever you're aware of. Somebody raise your hand and say, what is, what is the quality that has to be here for presence? Anyone? Groundedness. I'm sorry, louder? Groundedness. Groundedness. So a sense of here in this body. Thank you. What else? Yeah. Stillness. So, by the way, there's no wrong answers. We're going to group it together to make sense for everybody, but stillness. So there's a certain level of not reacting, just still, okay? In your body, not reacting, yeah. Awareness. Awareness. You have to notice what's happening, right? Yeah. Motion. Sorry? Motion. Motion. Say what you mean a little more. Aware of motion. motion. So you're aware of the impermanent, moving, ever-changing. Beautiful. Thank you. Non-judgment. You cannot be present if you're pushing away and judging what's happening. Yeah. Light. What's that? Light or life? Light. Light. Say a little more. So light, alive. Oh, alive. Yeah, right. So for there to be presence, there has to be a sense of that total aliveness, vibrancy. Yeah. Spaciousness. Spaciousness. There has to be room for what's here. Trust, exactly, rather than fighting, doubting, resisting, and a kind of surrendering, a trust. This is a beautiful kind of mandala almost, or weave. If you wanted to take some of those different flavors and cluster them so that you could say, okay, the bottom line is to be present requires... mm, There's going to be two fundamental, totally interdependent wings. And one of them is a quality of really noticing or recognizing that what's happening. It's the awareness, the awareness that it's moving and changing, the awareness of life, of aliveness, the awareness of sadness, the awareness of thought. You have to notice what's happening. You have to be embodied to notice it. That's one. The other, the word spaciousness, non-judgment, there has to be room for what you notice seeing what's here and making room for it. Those are the qualities of presence. It's sometimes described as wakefulness, 
our cognizance, and openness, our emptiness. I sometimes like the metaphor of an ocean and waves and just to kind of ground it again that presence is when you have that space of the ocean and yet you're aware of, in contact with the waves that arise. You're not lost in reacting to the waves, in thinking you're just a wave. Your presence occupies that bigness and yet you're aware and noticing this sound, this sensation. Again, just to invite you to check in on it, just to close your eyes. And as a way of accessing the openness, you might listen to sound. And just sense the space it's happening in, even the most distant sound. And let your mind just expand out and merge with that space that includes even the most distant sound. There's an openness to awareness. And yet, in that openness, there's this wakefulness that notices, that notices the sounds themselves. It's an embodied wakefulness that notices sensations, as one person says, a groundedness. And yet awareness accepts whatever arises. There's no argument. Being the ocean, including all the waves, And just open your eyes and we'll just keep going. The challenge, I'd like to say, to, to presence is that our conditioning is to not stay open but rather to contract when there's unpleasantness or contract when we want more pleasantness. Our conditioning is not to stay open, it's to do that. And it's to not pay attention to what's right here, it's to leave and go off into thoughts. So rather than openness and knowing, we're closed and ignorant. <laughs> that's, the, that's the opposite, that's the shadow side. So in a more specific way, we are moment to moment reacting to our experience. Rather than a quality of stillness that includes what's happening, we're constantly trying to control our experience so we can feel more pleasure and so that we can avoid more pain. So the invitation of meditation training. It's not to say become passive and let whatever happens happen all the time. We naturally act in our lives to try to find satisfaction, to help, to relieve suffering. This is not about inactivity, but it's about having the capacity, having the capacity to open to the actuality of life as it is. The given is that aging, sickness, death, it happens. And we can either be at war with the life that happens or develop this capacity to remember our oceanness and have room for the waves so that rather than always feeling like around the corner something's going to happen that's too much to handle so that we're always tensing against what might happen that's the stance of the controller always tensing against it and trying to manipulate, we have the capacity to arrive here and enjoy our moments. You can't truly be in love. You can't truly be in love if your body-mind is organized around trying to control and have more pleasure and less pain. Being in love requires presence. You can't really be creative 
In other words, have the kind of wisdom and intelligence of the universe flow through you if the body-mind is contracted and trying to control. You can't really be wise and see truth as it is if the body-mind is contracted and trying to control. So this is training to give us the capacity to arrive, to open, and to see what's true. I'll give you an example. One friend described, had a repeating dream through his life. And in it he was walking in the dark and some hot shadowy entity was behind him and he could always hear its breath in his ears. And this happened over and over again and in the dream the entity would be behind him and be breathing and coming faster and faster and he'd always be running and hiding. And this was since he was a kid, and he'd have it over and over again, like, you know, once every few months, he'd always wake up sweating and and really shaking. And he analyzed it in therapy, tried repeating the dream, tried to create different endings, you know, all the different stuff we do, the whole deal. Finally, one night, and he did some meditation practice over these years, one night he had that same dream, okay, and that time he didn't run. He just turned around and he stood there. And as he described, he stood there and he was absolutely terrified. And he was staring into blackness and emptiness. And this thing of being utterly alone and lonely just gripped him so he could only feel his own breathing and his own terror. And then he sensed that he had been running from that loneliness. And his heart started to feel grief, deep grief. And then there was this tenderness that got quieter and quieter and he finally fell asleep. And he said he woke up the next morning feeling a freedom he had never felt in his whole life. Now what happened? The way he would describe it is his training in meditation gradually taught him to stop running, stop trying to control, and just stay and be with what's here. That's exactly what we're doing here. And it doesn't mean we can always go after the most traumatizing things in our life and say, okay, come on, I'm going to feel this fear here now. Sometimes we need to very gradually practice this presence and do it with support of others. But ultimately, as this man discovered, the only way to be free from the demons that control us, our own fears and stories and dramas, is to arrive in the fullness of here and feel it and face it and be with it. So one of the ways that I teach how to bring presence to the demons, the challenges, the difficulties, is with the acronym RAIN. And whether you've already are familiar with it or it's a brand new acronym, it's always useful because you can keep going deeper and deeper. I find that people that have practiced RAIN, that if they keep on practicing with this acronym, they keep discovering new levels of depths because it's actually a path of liberation. And the acronym, the R, stands for, and this is right back to presence again, this is a practice of presence, the R is recognize that we pause, like right now, that you pause and go, okay, recognize what's happening in this moment. You have to pause. That's the sacred pause. So the recognize is just notice what's going on, what feeling in your heart, what sensations in your belly, what mood. Recognize. The A is allow. Sir Thomas Keating, Father Thomas Keating sometimes says, just to recognize and say, I consent. I think it's a beautiful phrase, I consent. Those of you that have practiced with me know I sometimes will just say the word yes, or this too. So it's recognize and allow. Now what allow means is that you just don't make it wrong for being there. You just say, okay, this is what's happening. Allow doesn't mean when the fear comes up, I love you, fear, or may you continue on forever, or, you know, God bless fear, you know. It's nothing like that. It's more an honest recognition. This is the actuality of what's happening. So recognize, allow. The I 
is intimate, is that we actually get intimate, close with what's there. So you can recognize and allow but still kind of have a standoffish relationship, like you're not really um, a, really being with fully. So to be intimate takes both really seeing what this is like, there's a kind of inquiry, what's it really like? And really feeling it from the inside. Recognize, allow, get intimate. You can't be intimate with your fear, with your grief, with your hurt, unless there's a quality of kindness. Okay? So this is going to be the last piece of this evening is how we can be with what's there and really be kind towards it. Okay. Just to give you a story that, again, those that um, maybe were here last year or before may remember, and I, I reread it. Um, I, I heard it first from Rachel Naomi Remen because it's, to me, a really beautiful example of RAIN. But before I do it, I've told you R-A-I, let me tell you N, okay? So you've recognized, you've allowed, you've gotten intimate. That allows us to relax back into natural awareness, our naturalness, the truth of who we are. It's sometimes called non-identification because we're no longer identified as the scared self, the shameful self, the unworthy self, with N, with the naturalness, we're not identified with the small separate self, we've reopened to the ocean, to the mystery, to that vast loving presence that's our nature. N is the fruit of rain. It's the fruit of this practice of presence. So in this story, it was uh, told by a, a story of a director of a medical school and he talked about one of his patients who was a homeless woman and he said her possessions fit into two shopping carts. And once a month she'd bring, she'd bring these shopping carts up a steep hill to his clinic. She'd tie them on parking meters, first one and then another and another to get uphill. Then she'd go to the clinic's front door and he saw her once a month on a Wednesday. And her speech was sometimes rambling and her clothing was, was dirty and eccentric. But the way the story goes, this medical director's doctor was a deeply kind and respectful man and he would just listen and he'd listen respectfully to her stories and her troubles and he might try to help a little with problem solving but that wasn't really what was going on. He was just basically loving her with his presence, listening and caring. So what happened, he had been seeing her for some time and he became aware that sometimes she came to the hospital on days that he wasn't there And the clinic nurses were puzzled because she seemed to know that it wasn't her day to see the doctor, he wasn't there. But they they realized that she just wanted to get to his consulting room and she'd go to his consulting room but she wouldn't go in. She'd stand right at the, the doorway and then she'd deliberately place her right foot inside the empty room and then she'd withdraw it and then she'd place her foot inside the room and then pull it out and she'd do that a number of times and then she'd leave. And, and then it was almost like she was satisfied. She had, something had gotten taken care of and she could go and leave. So there's a sense that in the places where we're seen and heard, those are holy places. That's a space of healing. And that we can bring those qualities of presence to our inner life. It doesn't mean we don't need each other. But in this practice, this very powerful practice of presence that we do with each other each week when we sit here, we're learning to bring these qualities of a kind attention, an open, clear attention to the places inside. And so sometimes you'll sit and it might feel quiet and peaceful and easy, but other times you'll sit and all of a sudden realize your restlessness or you realize that you're really anxious about something or that you're feeling bad about yourself or something or maybe a lot of anger comes up, a lot of blaming and then it gets really interesting. Then it's like this doctor with this woman, can you remember this ocean, this place of listening, of kindness and just let the places in you express themselves in that healing space 
with rain we just recognize, oh, anger. Okay, let the anger be here. And then with the eye we get intimate. Oh, so okay, what, what am I believing right now? What's it really feel like? Really letting it be there. And the more presence, the more we re-inhabit a naturalness, an open heart and a clarity that really is our home. So I wanted to kind of give you a feeling of rain and practice a little with you just give you a chance to explore it and then open to any questions you might have um, afterwards. So this will be a short meditation and then if you sense as you're doing it, you have questions, um, won't have time for everybody, but we'll, we'll see what's possible. So just to feel beginning your intention for just these few minutes of, of a guided meditation. And see if you can give yourself that gift of just relaxing a little more than your body might already be relaxed. Let the shoulders drop down. Take a few full breaths. Come home to your senses. Just feel the aliveness of your body. It helps to sense that half-smile, just to relax into that aliveness, a receptive presence. And as a way of practicing the presence that I'm calling rain, you might sense if there's anything challenging in your life that you'd like to explore being more here for, more awake and open to. So if there's a difficult circumstance, I wouldn't pick something traumatizing, something really, really binding, but something that's bothering you that maybe brings up some anxiety or some hurt or some anger And you might let the attention go to that situation. It might be with a person that's important to you. It might be an addictive behavior or something going on at work. It might be just something right now you're feeling in your body or in your heart that's very immediate some physical discomfort, some restlessness or fear. So whether it's a life situation or just right what you're finding in the room tonight, see if you can sense the difficult emotion, the feelings that are around it, what the worst thing about the situation is. The rain begins with this kind of recognizing what's going on. Okay, so there's anxiety here, or fear, or sadness, or anger, resentment. To recognize and just allow it, just give, it's kind of like saying, it's like this. Okay, this is the actuality. So for these moments you're just going to make room for what's here. And if you don't get past the R and the A, you still really, you've given yourself a chance to be more real, to stop running as that man in the dream did and just face, okay. The facing itself opens the door. Ah, so this is happening in my life or in my body. And see if you can feel it in your body so that you begin to get more intimate. Just feel your chest, your throat, your belly, 
and sense maybe what you're believing that's difficult, maybe you're believing that something's wrong with you or that you'll be rejected or that you failed in some way. Just to include that. To breathe with what's here. And if it's a very difficult feeling, it can help in getting intimate, the eye of rain, to just put your hand on your heart and just mentally whisper yes, or I consent, or I care about this suffering. Just some wish to your own heart for relief. It's a beautiful part of this practice of presence to offer kindness to the place that's challenged, that's hurting. See what happens. And if you've never done this before, just putting your hand on your heart and just letting the touch be very tender and just sensing that the wisest, kindest place in you is offering care to where you're vulnerable. Very beautiful. And if it's hard to feel that you're offering that care, you might sense the love in the universe is in some way moving through your hand. The love of a Buddha or Jesus, great spirit, nature, the trees. So in some way you're offering an intimate attention And you might even sense, who are you when you're present, kind? Just sense the ocean, that you're this ocean, this awake space, this kind space, and that waves are moving through you. The poet Galib says, For the raindrop, joy is in entering the river. Travel far enough into sorrow, tears turn into sighing. When, after heavy rain, the storm clouds disperse, is it not that they've wept themselves clear to the end? Just learning to stay respecting the life that's inside us, letting it unfold itself like a river empty itself into the ocean. Let it move. When you're ready, opening your eyes. So this is the components of practice I've been mentioning, the relaxing, the remindfulness, and then the bringing a deeper presence with rain to difficulty, bringing the heart to difficulty. I'd like to take, we'll take about mm, five, seven minutes, uh, last part of the evening, to really open it to any questions you might have. Please feel free and don't be shy of anything about this practice that you've been wondering. And if there's more than we can handle tonight, we'll just do more questions next week. Yeah. Question right there. The question that keeps coming up for me is that you keep talking about different ways to do the actual practice, but what I have a really hard time with is actually sitting down mm-hmm. to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, it, and it's not like I feel like I should do it. It's what actually feels good to me. There's something in me that rebels against actually sitting down. And I just wondered if you had any thing that you could say to that. So, in other words, there's something in you that rebels like, okay, I'm not going to sit down, I don't want to sit still. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How many of you find a lot of resistance to just taking a few minutes to just sit really still? Can I just see by hands? And, and look around, just look around. And partly I'm doing this so that not... Part of the N is, when it says not identified, it also means not personal. Don't take it personally. <laughs> There is some resistance. Some, it can be a lot of different things. You might find, well, what would be so bad about it? And you might find that there's some way that sitting still plunges you right into something you just don't want to get in touch with. So don't sit still for now. Do a meditation. Just walk. Just walk and meditate while you're walking. 
And it's a beautiful meditation for those that haven't been introduced to walking meditation. There's many different kinds of instructions, but the simplest are just find a stretch, maybe even, you know, 15 feet, and just just kind of slowly and at the, the speed that lets you be present just kind of walk back and forth and let your only intention be to notice what's happening and relax with it to feel your body moving through space and then if you're in the mood to explore a little bit of sitting still just to see well what, what is this that I'm running from just out of interest do it a little and then let me know what you find out okay Thank you, and thank because you brought up something that's meaningful to a lot of us. Yeah. A lot of times when I get to the uh, kindness part, it's almost like I'm being kind to this. It's almost like a self is being kind, mm-hmm. and and I or like that I'm beaming kindness to it, mm-hmm. and I feel like maybe is that a form of ver- aversion? Am I disconnecting myself mm-hmm. from this sort of experience of let's say unpleasantness by sort of like being kind to it, you know, so I was wondering. Uh, is, is that your experience that when you're being kind to, let's say, unpleasantness, that in some way you're removing yourself from it? Well, tonight when you were describing it, it wasn't so much that. It was almost like a, a, an ocean of kindness mm-hmm. that I wasn't really identified with, just holding it. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, yeah, it seems like I'm getting into, um, yeah, an experience of, I've got this experience and now I'm kind of being kind to it or I'm holding it with kindness but that means that it, but then I sense that I don't know I'm, I'm kind of in a self that's mm-hmm. kind of mm-hmm. being kind to mm-hmm. this something outside of myself mm-hmm. that I might be pushing away so good I, so what you're bringing up and with any of the practices of metta or concentration you can end up feeling like there's this self that's doing the practice and that can and can feel very dualistic so and it's even with noting. Some of you are familiar with the, in Vipassana, you can be note, you know, noting thinking, thinking, or fear, fear. There can be a sense of, oh, fear, 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 fear. And you're kind of, with the noting, pushing it away, and even with the kindness, separating yourself from it. The trick is to notice that and then inhabit the kindness itself. In other words, get interested in, well, what's the actual feeling of the kindness itself? So that rather than a self pushing some beta rays of something into something, you actually feel the, the texture and poignancy and moisture of kindness. You become the kindness. Does that make sense? Let that, for you, George, and this isn't for everyone, but if you feel that offering metta or kindness creates a separation, then, ex- then inquire more deeply, well, what, is it actu- what does the kindness actually feel like? And let that be your kind of investigation so that you actually become the kindness. It's an interesting one. Yeah, thank you. Anyone else? There's a few over here. Once I've recognized sort of what I would call my drama, somewhere in the A and the I, I feel like it's a slippery slope into getting caught back up in it again. Once you recognize the drama, the story of the drama and yeah, so on. Yeah, and then in the allowing and the getting intimate, I sort of feel like I get caught up in it again. Good. That's a good question because it's very easy to hear the story that's going on and then get kind of wrapped up in the story. The trick then is to go from the story to feeling in your body what it brings up. So you drop under the storyline to the actual sensations in your body. So the real intimacy is not so much having to do with the story, but the energetic experience of the story. And that will drop your whole practice down. Yeah, thank you for that. It's a very good question. Yeah. Next. I can honestly say that the process of rain, as you were describing it, is I live that. I do that. Mm but only when I get still. And I get still you know, every day. I look forward to it. It's all I want to do, mm. really. And that's because I suffer. You know, I suffer. That's what brought this practice about. But I find the other part of my day, which is most of my days, it's like this uh, being this block of ice that's thawing out, but most of the day it's not thawing out. It's speeding mm. up and, mm-hmm. and hardening. Mm-hmm. So the question is, how do I keep the inquiry going mm. while there's the demand of life going on? Right. 
And my answer is to sort of just create more and more sort of periods of stillness, but I'm not sure that's the greatest answer. Well, it's a really important question because we tend to compartmentalize and have, okay, there's the times that I'm sitting and being very quiet and I can drop the rain in deep, and then there's the busy times and can I find a stillness then? And a lot of times we can't duplicate that kind of an atmosphere. So here's the thing. Rain untangles the tangles. And we don't always have the optimal situation to spend the time to drop in and really do the untangling. But what we can begin to um, have really permeate our day is recognizing and allowing what's happening. And the rest of RAIN actually is built on that. In other words, truly intimacy is the R and the A. Recognizing and allowing, and when you keep recognizing and allowing, that turns into intimacy. So just when it's too fast to drop in deep, just in a, in a very easy, relaxed way, just notice and loosen, notice and loosen. Let your body be a kind of anchor through the day for any of us, because it does get very speedy. If you can in some way just soften your hands a little, even pausing for five seconds, which sounds like not a big deal, it's huge. To pause for five seconds and breathe and feel your hands, you arrive in a it's kind of magical almost how different it is, how more real and here you are. So use the little um, gifts of, oh, just feel the body, just breathe, just the hands. And bottom line, set your intention every day. And I'd like to maybe we'll close with this because I am already um, over and say that if these practices, these practices of presence, you can go as deep as you want in spiritual life. It doesn't matter how busy, what kind of a lifestyle, it all comes out of an attitude. If your attitude is the one of sincerity, where you sincerely, sincerely want to live your life from truth, from loving presence, just re-establish your intention every day. It's like, the more you remember what matters, the more your life becomes aligned with it. So your question's perfect for a closing because all of us, we don't sit in our lives in these kind of rooms where everybody's getting quiet and chanting Om. I mean, that's just not what's happening, right? What's happening is that there's a lot of competition and antagonism and speed and demands and so on. And it's such a gift if we can just here and there through the day pause, feel our hands, feel our breath, say, okay, what matters? What matters is to be kind. It might be that simple. And then re-enter, and I guarantee there will be more of the presence of rain in the moment that you re-enter than before. So thank you so much for that kind of integrative question. Namaste. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.